0: Good morning. Good morning. Are you guys glad to be here this morning, Matthew? Yes. We're glad you're here this morning. It's been a great series so far. Today we are continuing in our series when trust makes no sense. And kind of the reason we began this series was for this basic truth: is that as we move into 2020, one of the prayers that I have for us as believers and us as a East Campus is that we would learn to trust God more, that we would grow deeper in our trust. Of him, And so we began this series when trust makes no sense. And we said from the very first week that the truth is sometimes trust doesn't make sense, right? Sometimes when you read the Bible and you read about how we're supposed to treat people, love people, care about people, and things we do. Sometimes in our own humanly flesh we look at that and go, rationally, human ration, that makes no sense. But here's the truth. We are still called to trust God. Even when it makes no sense amen and so we began to walk this journey here and we began to talk about what does it mean to truly trust god what is the method of trusting god and what is the promise when we trust god and remember the promise i don't want you to forget the promise the promise was that if in all our ways we acknowledge him he will make our paths what straight doesn't say easy doesn't say absent of obstacles but what it does mean is that he will give us clarity where there's confusion, and he will guide our paths, and he will make it his straight, not necessarily our straight. And so we talked about that. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about what is the greatest obstacle to trust. And the greatest obstacle is fear. And the thing I want you to know about fear is this, and we talked about this, but I want to remind you is that fear cripples our trust in God. Fear paralyzes us from going deeper and deeper and deeper and trusting God and so we looked at the guy by the name of Gideon and we saw how Gideon began the story loaded with fear but by the end of the story he was a guy that truly trusted God and he got the victory and then last week we began a journey talking about what are some areas in our lives that we need to trust God and so I felt compelled to start with the most uh, difficult one of all of them because it's a topic that's personal to all of us and it's a topic of money Right, And when I said that last week, you just see some of you just kind of puckered up. Right? I mean, you just kind of, kind of bowed up, and some of you got stiff, and maybe you started sweating. And, and it's never fun to talk about money, and I get that. But at the end of the day, we, we realized this, is that when you, we last week we looked at the biblical principle of giving. And here's how we did it. And if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. We talked about the tithe before the law. We talked about the tithe as part of the law, and then we talked about New Testament giving. And here's what we found out, that while Jesus does reissue this sense of giving to God what belongs to God, this idea of the tithe, Jesus also raised the bar, and he talked about being rich toward God. And here's the whole point I hope you got last week, and it was this, is that in the New Testament we see a shift in Jesus, we see in his teaching, a shift away from tithing out of obligation to giving out of the gratitude of our hearts. That's the shift that we begin to see. It's no longer, hey, just give a percentage because you're obligated like the law told you to. Now I want you to give out of the gratitude of your heart. And hopefully as we left last week, there were three things I really hope you kind of permeated your heart. And it was this, as that we want to be a believers and we want to be a church that gives faithfully. Amen? So you're not, half of you are not confused. Amen? We want to be a church that gives faithfully. We want to be a church that gives consistently. And we want to be a church that gives out of the gratitude of our hearts. Now, I want to take just a moment. All right? I want to take a moment. I want all your attention right here. I'm the best-looking thing right now you can look at. All right? Now, I want to take just a moment. Well, maybe not. But I want to take just a moment here, and I want to brag on our church. Because I just said a moment ago, I want us to be a church that gives faithfully, consistently, and a church that gives out of the gratitude of our heart. And I want to tell you, that when I think of faithful giving, I think of Cross Life East. And let me tell you why. in 2018, our church, our campus gave more money than they'd ever given before. It was unbelievable, the giving in 2018 for Cross Life East. But even with this amazing giving that our church had given, we still had a shortfall of about 30% of our budget. Budget being, you know, personnel and insurance and ministry and benevolence and rent and everything you can imagine a church pays for. We still, while we did so good, there was still a 30% shortfall that Oviedo campus picked up, which translates to about $60,000. But let me tell you about 2019. Everybody say 2019. See, 2019, everything changed. For the first time in the history of this church and of this campus, we we totally met our budget. Everything together, we met that. Can we celebrate that this morning? Now, listen, not only did we meet our budget, are you ready? Not only did we meet our budget, we blew the socks off our budget. We not only met our budget with all those things I mentioned involved, we exceeded our budget by 30%. We went from a $60,000 shortfall to a $60,000 surplus in one year. Can we just thank God for that? Now, some of you are going, okay, 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 here's what you saying. Doug, where's the $60,000 going, right? Let me tell you where it's going, all right? It is going to an account for us, an account that when God opens the door, begins the journey of us finding a permanent home, we have a nest egg to begin that journey. And everything, amen, yeah, amen. I'm ready for that. Are you ready for that? Yeah. And, and, and as this year, as we go through this year, and maybe we're, we meet that budget, we're faithful to give and to meet that budget, and any surplus we have will go into the same account so that one day when God begins to open the door and God begins to show us the path, we have a nest egg to begin that journey of having our own home where we can do more ministry in a way that would that totally transform the way we do ministry. And I'm excited about that. So I want to take a moment. Listen, if you've ever been in church before and money was talked about, usually it wasn't about bragging on the church, right? And I want to brag on our church. I'm thankful to God that I get to be a part of a church that says we are going to be faithful in one of the most difficult areas of our life, and that's in our stewardship to the Lord. So let's just give God one more time a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Right? Thank you, Lord. Now, so I don't know if you thought you were going to get bragged on David. but I'm telling you, you have no idea. I see the numbers every week. And as we got to that point, man, I, I was like busting out of joy. I couldn't wait for today. So I could brag on the faithfulness as we've grown as a church and as we've grown spiritually the faithfulness of people in this body of Christ Has done exceedingly abundantly amazing in their giving to the Lord and I'm so proud of us And so should we now I know when we talk about giving here's what I know a couple things first of all Some people we still struggle, right? We still struggle with the idea of giving and there's some people in the room going, no, Doug, I was one of those you were talking about. I was faithful. I was consistent. There was gratitude in my heart. And I'm so proud of you. But let me just warn you real quickly. Now you become a great threat to the enemy. Now he's going to come after you like maybe he's never come after you before. If you were that faithful and you were consistent and you had gratitude in your heart and you gave joyfully. Listen, the enemy's going to do whatever he can to try to divert that into your life. And so today's message is for all of us today. Because the truth of the matter is this. When it comes to giving, when we think about giving, there are two primary barriers we all face when it comes to giving. Number one, hoarding. And number two, consuming. Hoarding and consuming. And the reason we hoard and consume is because somewhere somewhere along the line, we bought into the lie that money brings stability. That money brings security. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, but Doug, it does. And I would say, no, it doesn't, because it can be gone in a minute. If you're old enough, and I know many of us are, do you remember when the stock market crashed and your retirement went from great to almost nothing? In a moment, it can crash. I mean, And so many of us have this hoarding and consuming mentality because at the end of the day, we think money brings stability and security, and the truth is it doesn't. It doesn't bring any of those things. And at the very root, at the very core of hoarding and consuming is one word. You ready? Here's what it is. Write it down. At the very core of hoarding and consuming is greed. It's greed. I need what? More. I have a pastor friend of mine who came up with a definition of greed that I love. I wish it had been mine, but it wasn't. And here's his definition of greed. He said, greed is the need to feed our obsessions. That's greed. Greed is the need to feed. Obviously, he likes to rhyme things, right? Greed is the need to feed our obsessions. And I'm just telling you, as a body of Christ, as a church, now, I, you know, a while ago, maybe I should have said, while well, I brag on you with one hand, the other hand, I'm going to say, let's continue to stay faithful, Amen. Let's continue to be faithful. Let's don't look at that and go, well, we've met our mark. We're just done now. No, no, no. God still wants us to give to him. God still wants us to bless and to give out the gratitude of our heart. And if we've been giving, if that's part of our life, listen, you're, you're going to be under attack of the enemy. And he's going to attack you with this notion that you need money to be secure and to be stable. And therefore, you're going to fight the battle of greed, the need to feed your obsessions. Now, For us today, we need to fight, and we need to wage war on greed. Greed that creeps up in our heart. Well, how do we do that? Well, let me give you a couple ways before we get to the fastest. A couple ways that we can fight and wage war on greed. Number one is we need to rethink how we view money. In fact, many of you in the room today, I know we're probably very, very faithful in giving, but most of us, when we decide to start giving, here's how we kind of make that decision. We look at our living expenses, and then we decide what we're going to save And lastly, then we decide what we're going to do what? Give. So it's all about living and then saving and then giving. What if we rethought that? Now, follow me for a minute. What if we rethought that? What if we prayed? Novel idea, right? What if we just prayed and sought God and started with, God, what do you want us to give? God, what do you want us to save? And God, we're going to choose to live on the rest. How different would our finances go? Would that be different? You better believe it would. It would be totally different. And if we're going to wage war on greed, we need to rethink how we see our money. And maybe instead of starting with living, saving, and giving, maybe we start with giving. God, what do you want me to give? That's between you and the Lord, not between you and me. Not between you and your neighbor. That's between you and God alone. Are you with me on that? God, where do you want me to give? God, what do you want me to save? And then, God, I promise I will live on the rest. And second of all, if we're going to wage war on this this issue of greed, we have to choose to have a heart of a giver. We have to choose to have a heart of a giver. Now, what is a heart of a giver? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 8, we're going to look at the heart of Giving, if you would, I know you just sit down, but stand with me as we read in honor of God's word. Everybody, stand with me if you would. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 8 says this. Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in the severest test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflown in wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly. For the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to the will of God to us. Accordingly we urge Titus. That as he has started. So he should complete among you. This act of grace. But as you excel in everything. In faith. In speech. In knowledge. In earnestness. And in our love for you. See that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for a church that understands and beginning to understand this idea of giving. I thank you for a body of believers, people that say that Cross Life East is their home, that last year were so faithful to give, and that, God, you blessed. I pray you blessed them during last year. I pray that we would continue to be faithful, Lord, so that we can seek your direction for our lives. But I pray as we get into your word, Lord. That we would be reminded that greed is always going to be that thing that creeps its way in. And we've got to wage war. And to wage war, we have to have a heart of a giver. So may we learn from this passage what a heart of a giver looks like. And may we implement it into our lives. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Now, as you look at this passage, there's one thing I want to say right out of the gate. The one thing I want you to write out of the gate. In this passage, 2 Corinthians, he's not talking about the tithe. He's talking about the heart of giving. In this particular passage, he's talking about a relief offering that he was going around collecting. But I want you to understand something. The heart of a giver transcends anything else. It's not just about the tithe or being rich rich toward God or giving to missions. I mean, he's just simply talking about the heart of someone who's willing to give. That's what Paul's addressing. And so there's seven things that I want you to notice about the heart to give. If we're going to have a heart to give, first of all, we are to give motivated by god's grace, look in verse one. He says this: We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now, real quickly here Paul's encouraging the the Church of Corinth to be givers. Now, if you know anything about the Church of Corinth, they were flat out messed up. I mean they had many issues. you think you, you say, well, don't you think they had trouble with hoarding and consuming?" There's probably not much this church didn't have trouble with. I mean, this church was going off the deep end in so many different ways. If you don't believe me, just read 1 Corinthians, and that'll make you nauseated. And then you get to 2 Corinthians. So obviously, Paul's trying to address this church and say, listen, church, I want you to be a church that gives. But so here's what he does. He compares them or brings up a church in Macedonia that's giving generously. And this church in Macedonia is a church that is poor. They live in Macedonia was an extremely impoverished area, and this church was poor. Macedonia was also a place where many, many, many wars took place, and so they're always in battle and conflict. And also, Macedonia was a place that the Roman government came in and ransacked the area. Yet here's a church that chose to give generously despite their circumstances. Now, why would they do that? Paul tells us because of the grace of God. The reason this church gave generously despite their circumstances was because of the grace of God. Now, what does that mean? What it means is because the grace of God at work and their hearts, they gave generously. Now, what does that mean? You ever think much about the grace of God? Only when you blow it, right? You think much about the grace of God? Come on, are you awake this morning? You think much about the grace of God? And when you think about the grace of God, here's what I hope we think about. You ready? I hope we think about this, that I am wretched, I am sinful, I am selfish, I am self-centered, but yet there's a heavenly father who loves me so much that he gave me his undeserving gift, even though I don't deserve it, he offers it to me anyway. That's grace, amen? That's grace. Receiving that which I do not deserve. And he says, listen, the grace of God that was at work in their heart is what compelled them to give generously as they considered this God who loved them, this God who cared for them, this God who showed them grace and mercy, even when they did not deserve it, that compelled them to give generously. See, please hear me. One of the transforming events of our heart being changed by the grace of God is that we develop a heart of giving. Now, I'm not just talking about giving Financially. I talk about giving of our time, our energy, and our efforts. When the gospel, when the good news of the gospel, the grace of God begins to change us from the inside out, one way that it shows up is in our giving. Just like this church. Timothy Keller, a pastor, said it best. He said, when you sit down and do your budget, you should have a calculator in one hand and the cross in the other. And when somebody probably asked him why that was, he said this, because it's a reminder That it is the grace of God that compels us to give. It is the grace of God that motivates us. And oh, by the way, when you have the cross in your hand, you're reminded you will never, ever, ever outgive God. Because of what he did for us. And if we're going to have a heart of givers, if we're going to have a heart of giving, we must give motivated by God's grace. Now please hear me, church, not motivated by my words. Not motivated by how you might feel I'm compelling you or motivated by what everybody else thinks. We need to give motivated by the grace of God that is working in our lives. And I just want to say this as a sidebar. If we feel no compulsion to give, we have to ask the question, how much is the grace of God working in my life? Because the transforming effect of God's grace moving in us is that we will become givers financially time-wise, and talents. So have a cross in one hand and a calculator in the other. The second thing we must do, if we're going to have a heart of giving, we must give with joy. Look at verse two with me. He said this, for in the severest test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. This church gave with joy in their heart. Now think about this for a moment. He says, not that they're just being afflicted, It's the severe affliction. I mean, this church is being tested like maybe no other church in the first century at this point was being tested. They had severe affliction. And not only that, they had extreme poverty going on. But yet this church chose that their joy transcended their suffering and their pain. Their joy transcended their suffering and pain. Why is that? Because somewhere along the line, this church understood this. They understood that God loves a cheerful giver. They understood that it's better to give than what? To receive. They understood and they decided we would rather lay treasures in heaven than treasures on this world. Listen, this church did not give begrudgingly, they didn't give reluctantly. They gave out of the joy and the gratitude in their hearts. And if we're going to have a heart of a giver, yes, we need to be motivated by the grace of God, but we need to give. With joy, not begrudgingly, not reluctantly, but we need to give with joy. Not a sense of duty, but with joy that's in our heart. Number three, if we're going to have a heart of a giver, we need to give generously. Look at me in verse two again. Verse two, it says this. Having overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, underline that, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. They gave according, and they gave beyond. Now, he's talking about a heart of generosity, that if we're going to be a heart of a giver, we must give generously. It says they gave according to their means, which means they gave proportionately. Proportionately to their income, that's how they gave. Now, in retrospect from last week, that's opposite of how Israel was giving, right? What did God say to Israel in Malachi? That they were doing what to him? You remember? They were robbing him. They weren't giving at all, not to mention, proportionally. So he says, first of all, this church in Macedonia, I mean, they're giving proportionally. When you think about their income, they are giving proportionately Based on what they make, they are giving. But he doesn't stop there. He says, not only are they giving based on, according to their means, they are giving beyond their means. So on one hand, they're giving proportionately, but on the other hand, they're also giving how? Sacrificially. They are giving beyond reasonable expectation. Now, think about it for a moment. Here's a church in great affliction and in great poverty, and they're giving, yes, proportionately, but they're also giving sacrificially. Why in the world would a church that's being impoverished, why in the world would a church that's being afflicted give proportionately and sacrificially? Why would they do that? Because somewhere they believe that God really will supply all their needs. Right? Are you with me on that church? Somewhere along the line, they decided, we trust God. Man, that is so easy to say out of my mouth, but to put it on paper, to put it in my life, that's where it gets hard, right? That's where it gets really tough. And so why in the world would this church give so generously? It's because they they really believed that God was going to supply all their needs. Here's what I want us to know about generosity. Generosity, excuse me, generosity is not about how much abundance of resources you have. Generosity is not about the lack of resources you have. Generosity is the attitude you have toward your resources. Did you hear me? That's worth writing down, isn't it? Generosity is not about the abundance of resources you have. Likewise, generosity is not about the absence of resources you have. Generosity is about the attitude you have toward your resources. They gave proportionally and sacrificially. And I think as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to make sure we're giving proportionally, but also raise the bar and begin to give sacrificially. If we're going to have a heart of a giver, we must give generously. And then the fourth of all, we must give voluntarily And earnestly look with me in verse three and four he says and they gave of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part and the relief of the saints first of all he says they gave voluntarily i mean they gave of their own accord nobody enticed them nobody guilted them nobody persuaded them they did this one hundred percent on their own initiative. Nobody had their arm behind the back and was twisting it. This church, amidst their poverty, amidst their affliction, gave proportionally, and they gave sacrificially, and they did it all voluntarily of their own accord. In fact, Second Corinthians chapter 9 says this, verse 7. It says, each one of us must give as he has what? Decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. They got that. See, the thing that I want us to understand is that this this idea that, that giving should be a desire that all of us have. Giving should be a desire that every one of us have. Look with me in verse 10 and 11. It says, and in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, talking about giving, but also to desire to do it. So finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched. In other words, giving should be a desire that fills all of our hearts. This church gave voluntarily, not under compulsion. But they also gave, you ready? They gave earnestly, it says. They gave earnestly. Now this word earnestly in in the Greek really kind of has two meanings. On one side, it means that they realize that giving is a privilege, not an obligation, how many of us see giving that way, right? That, you know, when in a moment when the offering plate passes, giving is a privilege for us, not a means of obligation. You're like, well, I don't know about that, Doug. Well, maybe because you've been taught wrong, right? We feel like it's an obligation. I have to do this. No, no, it's a privilege. And so when he says, they begged me earnestly. The idea is that they understood that it was a privilege to give, not just an obligation. But earnestly, not only means that. It also carries the idea of giving eagerly. They were not only going to give as a privilege, but they were excited about giving. When's the last time we got excited about giving, right? There's a, there's a person here, I won't call them out by name, they'll know who they are, but there's a person here that many, many, many months ago came to me and said, hey, Pastor, man, I can't wait for today. I said, oh, I'm so glad, I'm glad you're excited today. I mean, you know, it's, I'm excited, it's a great day. We're, he said, no, I'm excited. I said, well, why are you so excited? He goes, man, I got a job, I got a new job. I said, man, that's wonderful. He said, and I can't wait. I said, for what? He said, to put my offering in the basket. I thought, what? You're excited about giving? He's like, you better believe it. And I thought, what would happen if we got so eager about giving that when Elijah got up here in a little while and said we're going to give back to the Lord, if we started cheering the offering, like, woo! you know, we're excited about that. What would that look like for us as a church? Now, how many of us want to do that? We're like, well, should we do that? You better believe it because giving is a privilege. It's not an obligation. And I should be eager to say, God, I'm giving back to you a portion of what you've given me. There should be an excitement. Maybe we should start cheering the offering because it reminds us that this belongs to the Lord and I'm doing his kingdom work with it. They gave earnestly. Man, I hope we can figure that one out, right? And then then fifth of all, it says this. If we're going to have a heart of giving, We are to give as an act of worship. Verse 5 says this. And this, not as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Who did this church of Macedonia first give themselves to? The Lord. Meaning, they spent some time seeking the Lord. They spent some time surrendering their lives to the Lord. And we know that giving ourselves to the Lord is crucially important in our faith. In fact, Romans 12, 1 and 2 say this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, in the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of what? Worship. Giving ourselves to God is an act of worship. And this church, first and foremost... Gave themselves to God. They said, God, we're surrendering everything we have to you. You give us wisdom. And then secondly, then they gave to the cause. Now, why is that important for us? And I want you to hear me. Don't mishear me. Hear me correctly. When we give our hearts to God and our hearts are right with God, our hearts about money and giving will also be right. When we, give, when we get right with God, our heart toward giving will also be right be right this church gave themselves to god first and then to the cause and we need to do the same thing sixth of all this let's go to this next one well, second of second to last is this that if we're going to have a heart of giving we also need to give as a means to grow look with me in verse six and seven it says this accordingly we urged titus that he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace But as you excel in everything, in faith, and in speech, and in knowledge, and in earnestness, and and, in your love for you, see also that you excel in this act of grace. So what's the act of grace he's talking about? He's talking about giving. He's talking about the act of grace, the act of giving. And Paul's saying, listen, there's some areas of your life you're abounding. Man, you're abounding in faith, and you're abounding in this area, and you're abounding over here. But there's an area I want you to abound as a believer, and I want you to abound in the area of giving. And you're doing great in so many areas. You're following God and you're obeying and you're trusting, but I want you to abound in this area. So how do we abound in that area? The only way to really abound in giving is to make sure that our giving is consistent. Look, look Go back to verse 10 11. Look what he says. And this matter, I give you my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago you started not only doing this work, but also a desire to do it. Listen to this. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness and desiring it may be matched. In other words, stay consistent. You're doing the right stuff. Don't stop. See, if we're going to be consistent in our giving, that means this. That means we need to make preparation. Right? Are you with me on that, church? Say amen. We need to make preparation. Here's what that means. That means what you give should be as much part of your budget as your light bill. Because if you don't make any preparation, you will struggle to make giving a priority in your life. Do you make the light bill a priority in your life? Yeah. And if you don't, they shut it off. Right? And then you got to pay a, a hook-up fee and all that kind of So you don't let that light bill go. And it needs to be priority in our lives. And so we need to make sure that we are giving as a means to grow. And then last of all, we are to give as a reflection of our love. If we're going to have heart for giving. We need to give as a reflection of our love. Look with me in verse eight, the final verse here. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. In other words, hey, I'm not writing this command to you, but what I want to say is you say you love the kingdom. You say you love the church. You say you love what God is doing. Proof is in the pudding. And here's the pudding you're going to give to this. If you give, you're giving as a reflection of your love to what you say you love. For example, our giving or lack thereof is a reflection of our love for the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about percentage, I'm not talking about amount. I'm just saying the heart of giving. If my heart is not to give God anything, that is a reflection of how much I really do love Him. But if my heart is to be generous, if my heart's to be genuine, and my heart's to be right with God and to honor God with whatever I choose to give Him or whatever He compels me to give Him, that too is a reflection of my love for Him. So here's what I want us to do today. I want to challenge us as a church to give, to be givers. You know, if we're going to have a heart of giving, our giving must be motivated by God's grace. Our giving must be joyful. Our giving must be generous. Our giving needs to be voluntary, but filled with earnestness. Our giving should be worshipful. And our giving should be as a means for us to grow in our faith, but our giving also is a reflection of our love for God. And when we look at this Macedonian church and look at all their heart for giving, does that sound like how you give? Does that sound like how we give? Does that sound like my heart and your heart and our hearts for how we give? Are we motivated by the right stuff? Are we filled with joy? Are we generous? Are we, are, are we doing it voluntarily because we feel obligated? Are we doing it with earnestness, with excitement and joy and just can't wait for that moment because of privilege? Or do we give reluctantly? under compulsion, and with hesitation. Do we reflect the heart of the Macedonian church or not? So my prayer for us today is that we would be a church that gives. That we would be a church that decides, I want to give and have the heart of the Macedonian church. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For those of you that are part of Cross Life Feats, for those of you that say... I belong here. This is my church. This is my home. This is where I'm spiritually being fed. This is the place that I think God has landed me. I'm going to ask you to take out. open your worship folder, and I'm going to ask you to take out this little yellow slip of paper. Just take it out. I'm not going to ask you to do right now. Just take it out for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to take part in what I'm calling Cross Life East Giving Challenge 2020. And what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment is to pray over this card. Just pray over what you might give this year. Across life, across Elvito campus and East campus, since inception, has always been about asking the church, say, what will you pledge to give this year? Now, for some of you, immediately, you're, you want to bow up and go, well, that's not about anybody else's business. And you're, you're kind of right on that. That's between you and the Lord, right? And some of you like, well, you know, well, who's going to know? Well, I can promise you this. I will never know. I don't want to know. I don't care to know. I barely know mine. So I don't care about anybody else's. There's only one person on our campus, Donna Moore, who's the financial person that ever knows any of this. Nobody else knows this. And we're going to ask you to say, okay, this year, here's what I'm pledging to give. You may say, well, Doug, maybe that's a 10%. Maybe that's, I'm going to give this much. Or maybe, Doug, I work on commission. I can't tell you that. Well, just give it. You say, hey, I'm just going to give a percentage of my, whatever it is. This is between you and the Lord, but we are going to ask you to turn us in for this reason. When you put money in that offering plate, don't you want to give it to a church that's going to be a good steward of it? Come on, do you want a church to be a good steward of that? I mean, if you ever see me flying in a jet, you probably know we're not being a good steward, right? Which will never happen, right? But you get what I'm saying. One of the reasons that doing this is so crucial for us as a church is, if we are going to be good stewards of the money that the saints of God are giving to the kingdom of God, we need to have at least a ballpark idea of what we're going to be stewarding. And so that's why this is important. Another reason important is, when I put my name on this and write down what Sonia and I have decided to do, it's accountability. Not from anybody, but I'm telling God, and I'm going to let my church know this is what I'm going to be doing. And third of all, listen to me; don't miss this. Third of all, the reason this is important is because it's sending a message that I am partnering with God to do the work that God wants to do through Cross Life East. Every penny that's put in this offering basket stays at Cross Life East; every penny of it. And if you give online, you can click the tab and go down to East Campus, and every penny stays at Cross Life East. It doesn't go anywhere else; it stays. Across cross-eyed feast. And when I give, one of the reasons this is so important is because it sends the message that I am partnering with God. And let me just say this to you. I believe God is doing something in our church. Do you believe that? Okay, not very convinced. Do you believe that? I believe God is doing something, and I believe there's going to come a day where God is going to begin opening doors and creating pathways for us to have our own home. I believe there's going to come a day where we're going to see an increasing in the staffing of our church. There's going to come a day where we're going to see the growth of ministry, where we're doing ministry like we've never thought about doing ministry before. We're reaching the homes and the hearts of people like never before. But if we're going to experience that, we must have a heart to give like the Macedonian church gave. And it starts for many of us who call themselves Cross Life East members right here. It's accountability. It says, I'm partnering with you, God. But it also says this. Hey, church, I want you to be a good steward. Here's what I think you need to be managing. And so I'm going to ask you in a moment, as, as, as people who find this as part of your church, to take a moment and to fill that out. In fact, our small group leaders have already done that. They're going to do it again this morning because they're going to lead the way in that. Now, there's some of you here today going, great. It's my first time here, or I'm new here, and I picked the week to do talks about giving. Now, he doesn't talk about giving. He talks about me filling out a card. And you're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with that? Well, let me just say this to you, okay? Today, it's not about you giving anything. What I hope you get today is thinking about the gift that was given for you. See, I spent a long time talking about the grace of God. And that grace is extended as much to you as it is anybody else. And so for today, for you, if you're new or or you're first time here, hey, this is not for you. This is not for you. What is for you is making this decision, this determination. Have I received the grace of God that Doug was just talking about? The grace that says that I'm wretched and I'm sinful and I'm lost, but there's a Savior who loves me and willing to be in a relationship with me? And if that's your story today, it's as simple as just trusting Jesus. It's as simple as surrendering your life. Say, Lord, I believe in the grace of God. I know that he loves me and he died for me, and I receive that today. That's your message. Here's what I'm going to ask you just for a moment. I'm going to ask everybody just to close your eyes and just bow your head just for a moment every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment nobody looking around and if you're here today and you're that person that says man this is church is my home it's where I belong I'm part of this I'm going to ask you I'm not going to pray right now but if you're sitting close to a spouse if you just go ahead and take that little form and just begin to have a quiet conversation you may say Doug I didn't take this home we need to pray about that's fine you can bring it back next week but in a moment, when the offering comes, we're going to ask you to put it in there. Whatever you feel led to give, whatever, you're, whatever God has compelled you to do, that you would do that out of the gratitude of your heart. Not out of compulsion, nobody's watching. Just out of the gratitude of your heart. So right now, if, you're, if that's you in the room, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and you just go ahead and have that conversation with those right around you, your family right around you. Just quietly. And if you're here today and you're new or you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you just consider the grace of God this morning? Would you just consider that he loves you despite your failures, despite your shortcomings? He loves you even though you do not deserve it. And would you just take a moment and say, Lord, I forgive me for my sins. And I trust you as my Savior. Right now, in the quietness of this moment, in the quietness of this moment, I want us to just take a moment and just respond. If you need to know Christ today, pray that prayer if you need to make a decision about how, what you're going to give this year to let us as a church be a good steward of that, go ahead and take a moment. We're going to give you two minutes just to in quietness in a moment, and then I'll pray for us. before our prayer every head bowed every eye closed just want to remind you something we said a while ago that when our heart is right with God our heart toward giving will be right also and so in this moment if you're just struggling just put a pause on the, the challenge and just make sure you're right with him make sure you're surrendered to him make sure you're living in obedience to him but if you know your heart is right with him and you're part of this church, would you take that challenge? We all shy from accountability, but we all need it. And when you make that pledge, you're saying, Lord, I'm partnering with you to do the work of your kingdom through this church, this local body. So would you make that pledge? And if you're here today and you trust him for the first time, Heaven's throwing a party for you. And if you're struggling with what he's done for you, I would love to talk to you about that. But today, what I'm concerned with more than anything is that all of us would make sure our hearts are right with him. So I'm going to ask you right now, let's stand together as I pray for us. Everybody stand if you would. God, I love you and I thank you for today. And I I know, I know it's hard. we're, We're scared to... Get excited. We're scared to voice things. We get nervous. When we talk about money and all that stuff, Lord. But I just know this: that that giving is not a money problem. It is a heart problem. And God, I know that because I know that in my own life. I can look back to days young in marriage where I struggled to give because it was a heart problem for me. But God, I pray with all of my heart today that we would be right with you that you would do a heart check on us and that we would have a right mindset about giving and that for those who love this church and call this home that we would meet that challenge meet a challenge so we can see ourselves positioned to where you might give us a home positioned where we can do ministry like never before God we want to see you work like never before and so God we pray for those in the room that are members, part of this church, we would take the challenge. And for those who don't know you, Lord, that today they would realize it's not about giving. Today for them it's about receiving the gift that was given. And that's your son who did the ultimate act of grace. He gave motivated by your grace. He gave joyfully. He gave generously. He gave voluntarily. He gave earnestly. His gift was an act of adoration and worship. Lord, may they receive that gift that was given. God, may you have our hearts today. May we be faithful to give them to you. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. And all God's people said amen.